0: Welcome to another exciting episode of the Steel City Squadron Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, the Duke of Hobbies. I have a special guest here today, Paul Interceptor Adler. He is going to be breaking down for us in an interview I did with him a little bit ago regarding obstacle placement and selection and how to read your opponent during that and why it's so important. Uh, Also joining us, Ryan Reinhardt Fleming. And I'm very happy to have both of these on here, both of these players on here to really discuss this, break this down. Without further delay, let's get right to the interview. What do you value most important, the selection or the placement of the obstacles?
1: I mean, both are completely involved. For example, okay, going back to cur- cur- going back to my top eight round of this last tournament, I played against three arcs and Obi. And I brought Gas Clouds because of droid Swarms, but he brought the three biggest rocks. And basically, upon seeing that, I knew I had an easy matchup, because I could, because those rocks limit Jouster's space so much. And it did end up happening. I was able to create safe zones because they can't hard turn in to a lot of places. So, you know, you can place those rocks where you you want, and that's important. But just the fact that they were there and I was able to use them, just, yeah, um, jousters, unless you're droids, should never ever bring large rocks because there are no good top tier matchups where that helps you. It's either against aces or droid swarms, which love the rocks, and or 5A, or you can just keep naming them. Nantexes, even don't care that much about the rocks because they have their free tractor. But yeah, it's just, I've always loved large rocks because you're able to very much limit the space. That they use and it's vital to ace play. If there were no rock, if there were no relevant at, uh, obstacles on the table, then aces would lose almost every match. And that's why you're seeing droids do so well, because they remove obstacles mostly from play.
0: Yeah, that's that's an interesting point uh, with the the fact that since droids are taking that advantage away from the aces, you know, you we have seen that impact in the downturn of them. Uh, you know, Boba Fenn was around. For it, it, doing well, but then even Howard, uh, Duncan Howard was dominating with his Howard Swarm in hyperspace. Um, there's a know.
1: there's a great video on there's a great tape actually of Duncan Howard versus Paul Kiever. I forget what tournament it was, but Paul was running
2: a droid the swarm Philly and Duncan was over.
1: running triple hyperspace interior. Yeah, Um right. and right. I think it shows the need. If because of droid swarms and the lack of obstacles, it shows the need for imperial ace, for aces of any kind to run what I call hyper-maneuverable ships. Duchess with afterburners is an example of a hyper-maneuverable ship. You can force an engagement the way sooner can't, um, so that you can force and force them to engage, otherwise you get shots, while being safe enough to run away, because you have that Aileron plus afterburners, and I would also argue that Echo kind of fits this quality, which is why I've flown her for so long. That's how important rocks are. Is it forces you to fly kind of a different list in order to compete?
0: Huh. Yeah, no, I, um, I'm thinking of my follow-up question on that one, just because that's that's so such I, a good point. I
2: have one. I have one follow-up question. So the one thing I've always considered with um, swarms especially if you have a swarm that wants to block um, and there's some swarms that want to block and some swarms that don't want to block. But I've found sometimes if you have a swarm that wants to block, even against aces, big rocks are not that bad because it it, it basically lets you block more of the uh, more of the possible outs for the aces than you would if there were small rocks or fewer obstacles on the board because you know that aces, While they're maneuverable, they also are, their escape lanes are also blocked by rocks in many time, in many cases. So you know that if you have a blocking list, you don't have to block that direction because there's a rock or this vector because there's a rock. So you block, you have fewer places you have to block or have to account for. Um, Do you have any thoughts on that, Paul?
1: Well, I'd like to add, first of all, a great example of that is Ryan Fleming's top four at
2: Hawk system
1: open against Nathan Eide, where he actually landed a jump master on a rock in order to block an ace. Um, <laughs> that was a great moment. Um, yeah, that's just, it's something that definitely needs to be considered. Again, of course, there's the whole thing about who's going to engage first, which goes into going to time. But yeah, you really have to... You really with with aces like Sunter, you know the classic ace. You really, really have to play KG with your approach. There's been so many times where 2.0 Sunter is in a place where 1.0 Sunter would be fine. He's taking two range three shots, and you can't do that, and you you can't tank shots like you like you could before. So you really have to play around the rocks well, and you can't like you, you can't that the whole the whole thing about blocking through the rocks is if Sunter is committed, that's when that becomes a problem. If he's not committed yet, then he's kind of fine. And you also see back to that crate tape with Duncan Howard is Sunter never really committed in the rocks and never limited his options in the rocks. And you can't you can't do that anymore because he doesn't have that range three and vulnerability. Um so yeah, that's it's definitely something you have to consider. Um And it depends on it depends on how they're flying, but for the most part, um, you're mostly dodging arcs like against rebel, you know, rebel beef type stuff. They don't have as many good blockers. Maybe they'll have Arvel in there, but usually he's he has to play fast, and you can play around that with the rocks. So it's not as big of an issue because the other option that you have when he's blocking one. Um, You can get out because the rest of the list isn't that fast, but yeah, it's definitely you have to, you have to consider and you have to watch engaging and deciding to engage first or commit first through the rocks.
0: Now, I know this might be more list and match dependent in a way, but if as an ace style play where do you want those rocks kind of on the board then you know you, you you know you're talking about placement being important here but you know are you looking more middle are you picking just one middle kind of...
1: there's two there's two different cases that i really look at one is against ships like the slaver uh a friend and i have noticed that if you just place one big rock directly in the middle it completely changes the game against the slaver because it cannot go in that middle spot. Sometimes he would even just put a debris there just to make sure that a rock could not be placed in the middle. He's a debris, you know, he can go over. This was back in like 1.0 and he does not care about stress. Um, but it's that important and just rocks in the middle means that you can force them to engage in the rocks or be chipped at range three because they're not choosing to turn in. Is
2: yeah. that, if, so is that, one you, one so two two you're two 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 saying two. this way, so you're saying this because of if, the rock, if there's a big rock in the middle, eventually the slaver, if he goes near the middle, because he's a large base, he's almost certainly going to hit that rock, or that rock is almost certainly going to be in the way, just simply because of the yes. amount of space that his base rock flanker, takes up.
1: Yeah, in order to, you can force it so that in order to turn in on your flanker, he would have to turn in, and that gives your flanker a free route. You just get a free flank off against that slaver when you previously wouldn't, for example, if that was a gas cloud. Now, gas clouds, you got to play differently. These are mostly using, your ducking behind them instead of having them right in your opponent's face, but it's a completely different story. But yeah, I tend to have, bring three big, big rocks and put them as close to a triangle in the middle. But yeah, definitely a triangle, try to make it deep, you know, try to make a deeper rock field. But also one thing to consider in this though, is that uh, one tactic against aces is you overcrowd the rock field. So if someone just toilet bowls around the board edge and the aces wanna try to use the rocks, they their options get so limited that They don't have any safe engagements if you overcrowd the rock field. So that's that's a bit of counterplay if you want
0: it. But right, yeah. I was, oh, I, was oh, I was about to say that like the the counter aspect of that because I you mentioned that triangle and now I'm thinking about it in our matches that we've played against each other. I realize what you're you're, you're placing them how how you. You d- determine that now, because I'm a I'm a normally like a four ship rebel beef player, so that makes a lot of sense. I I recognized that, um, and you know that. And my always my big thing is basically take away the rocks as a um, you know as treating them as different and make it like as one giant rock essentially. And so I'm just going to avoid that side of the board entirely and force the aces to come towards me. You know, so but if they're in the
1: middle of the board, you can't. You know that's a flank. They can be in the rock field at range three, and they can force you to either turn in or take the shots if you want to keep playing like that.
2: Right. So let's say you're playing a mirror match, two sixes and a four, but somehow you're outbid or you lose a roll-off. Wait, are, are they
1: flying echo or not? This is this is a legitimate. I, I
2: let's mean, say, let's say it is the mirror match to start off with. Well, no, no, no. Let, let's make this a little more general because this is getting very specific. No one, no one, one flies general, my general general echo. <laughs> No, he 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 he. Paul does a great job with it. He likes to get right behind you and then force you to choose. It's it's, it's a good strategy. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, let's say you're flying three i fives. Okay, you're flying. You know, I don't know. Ob one plo and some some imaginary of uh, Rick, right? You're playing three i fives, and you're playing against yeah. three i fives. Now now, generally, you're saying if you have aces, you want a triangle in the middle of the board because you want to have. Your options available to you, and you want you want to st- you want to stymie a swarm. But if you're playing aces versus aces, and you are stuck moving, yeah. That, so basically, in that situation, you have to block them to win because they're going to opposition you. The only yeah. way to stop their opposition is to block them. So my question is, does that? How does that change the way so that this, you would line up the rocks?
1: This goes back to. I know I'm going to go way back, but this goes back to kind of fundamentals of the game. Um, I don't believe in the three pillars back to Paul Heaver's thing. I think it's a spectrum of I maneuverability agree. versus jousting. If yeah. they win the bid and you have the exact same maneuverability, you have to joust them. That is your goal. Well, because I, I mean, if, if, assuming I they won the bid, that's probably you probably sacrifice. You probably increased your jousting value or increased some value in your list in order to win that bid. So what you want to do yeah, is. But because they can react to you you don't want rocks in the middle you want rocks as far away as possible and you want to try to joust and block them. that's that's how I view it at least
2: I, I, I agree if you, have, if you have a mirror ace list and you are moving first you, you become you win by blocking. I don't, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with the whole you just joust because well if Even it's if a you...
1: complete mirror then no but
2: it, just
0: because, it's uh, like uh, I, I, I'm a little confused I'm a little confused on what do you mean? by that because you know and how does that well, impact your saying, obstacle placement then
2: i think what he's saying is that you, if you try to if you try to opposition them you're going to lose that game because they right. have the an advantage and they're going to beat you so he's saying since you're moving first you probably have some attack or some point spend that makes you slightly better jouster the problem with that though paul is that if you joust you have to be you generally like okay if i'm if i'm looking at a match and i know i'm slightly better jousting than they are i'm still not sure i want to take that joust because even if I'm 55 to win instead of 50 50, I don't think that that's a chance I want to take about losing the game. I think I'd still rather try to outplay. Are, are you playing against yourself though? Well, no, I'm playing against some, you know, some. Oh you know, well, joke. Yeah,
1: there it is. I'm talking, you know, if you're playing against top players, you know, if you're playing against, you know, round two of Swiss, sure, um, because even might then, hit but you. even then,
2: but even then, round two of Swiss, that's actually probably one I definitely don't want to adjust because. So the problem with joust, okay, the problem with joust. Yeah, yeah. Brown Two
1: of Swiss, I would say definitely like okay, try to lean on your skill. But if you're against, you know, if you're against top players, you kinda they know how to use their aces well. And you gotta try to what I mean by joust is you know trade shots or don't don't let don't don't let make it so that aces don't trade. That's how they
2: work. So you wanna try to trade. I, I I agree with you. There's there's two points I want to make here. Um, and I don't want to derail us too far, but in terms of jousting and, and whether it's a good idea or not, I remember there was a game that we had in our local league, and it's actually on YouTube somewhere. Um, it was Joel versus uh, Biggs. Um, guy's name was Biggs, so He looked like Biggs. Uh, Matt Kelsey, and and he had it was it was a it was a this was like an early one like wave, whatever 1.0 mid 1.0. And the Bigs had Corin Biggs and West, the old Corin Biggs and West list and uh, Joel had I don't 3 mean, B2Z, Danger,
1: quote unquote.
2: Yeah and three and, and Joel had 3D wings with the sensors and two bandits. And I remember they jousted each other. Now both lists want to joust, right like the 3B 2z absolutely wants to joust and the Corin West Biggs wants to joust because he's got biggs and you didn't bring Biggs not to joust. <laughs> and right And the, you didn't I mean in the game, goes horribly for Matt, and it goes horribly not necessarily because matt did anything wrong but because the dice were really in joel's favor and the problem with a joust is that whether you may have a slightly better jousting list but dice variance really comes into play heavily in a joust because you're so, not really positioning you're not really doing, you're just kind of like okay let's see what the dice say
1: you got um, you gotta keep in mind i'm an aces player okay I'm just talking about the the sliding spectrum that I was talking about. There's all sorts of stuff you can do. Like if you just look at how Daniel Taylor and Blair Bunkey fly um generic lists, more jousting type. There's a lot of stuff that I don't know about. I've only played, I've only played against them as aces and I've only seen a couple of their things. And it's like, oh yeah, I'm sure I know what they're doing. I don't. Um but yeah, it's I mean that that that's that's a different story, but I mean so. so- Going, going
2: back to the uh, trying to go back to the initial question, though. Well, wait. I want to get to my second point because I, I think it agrees with you a little bit um, I, in a mirror match. Right. So there's 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 one adage I, I tell some of our locals, and that is if you are playing someone who, you know, is better than you, you want to play a short game. You do not want to play a long game. What I mean is you want to play as few turns yeah. as possible and try to get the game over quickly, because the longer the game goes on and the more decision points there are for each player. If you're playing someone better than you, it's more likely you're going to lose because they're yeah. going to make better decisions than you are. That's and what I think... a lot of
1: people don't get about X-wing is they say, "Oh yeah, sometimes good X-wing looks like bad X-wing." But no, there's like if you do a two-speed maneuver versus a three-speed maneuver on turn two, sometimes you can lose the game.
2: I've seen that yeah. happen. Yeah. Yes. And so, that's, but
1: you know, that's turn two when the engagement's on turn six. Sometimes you know, it's there's a lot happening. you want so, yeah, yeah. to make
2: the, the game as short as possible but so that goes back to the, the mere aces match in a mere aces match if you're moving first you don't want to play a long game you want to play a short yeah. game you want to try to get you want to try to like you're saying joust but it's not really joust you just want to you want to try to kill things as fast as possible as opposed but you to,
1: don't like, want to that that might I know I know this isn't what you're saying but you do not want to commit first for that throw that rocks because that means you automatically lose the game against a competent player.
0: Right. Um, I think what I think what he's saying, Ryan, is the same thing as you is that, like, you know, he mentioned it is like you want them to consider trading shots equally. And if you're not, if you're not doing that because you've
2: overcommitted, then they've out aced you. I mean, yeah, I mean, so that's a true statement. Basically, in any game, the the first player who overcommits incorrectly is almost always going to lose. But right. now, but how, now awesome okay,
0: awesome. now real quick though, let's let's take it back to what this you know this what we're overall goal here is. How does that impact then the obstacle placement for you? If if I would it, corner uh, the rocks,
1: I would corner the biggest rocks I could in in those places. Of course. So the reason why I want to go back to my my list is it's different because, and I think this is part of how triple A, I I structure triple aces at least, um, is because I have echo which is a super blocker, it means that I can, and I have two sixes, you know, they might have Fen Rao. Like I had a game against Fen Rao and two fives. And because I had Echo who was able to block, I was fine crowding up those rocks. It's like, it's fine because I have, I know that if I can get Fen off the board and trade him for Vader or something like that, then I have the maneuverability advantage. So you got to think through things like that. And And the way you get Fen off the board is by blocking with Echo hmm um well that comes yeah, back to so what i was you, saying you, earlier
2: yeah. when you have big rocks sometimes blocking with blocking using the rocks to help block is actually a benefit because they you know sometimes. Really a, so yeah so i, I guess i look yeah. at it like this like you're saying i think we're saying the same things maybe it's just two different ways about it <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, yes you both um, are. <laughs> like i i agree with you like the part the player who commits the player who puts themselves in a position where they are very predictable and where they must go, is usually at the disadvantage, right? So like right. yeah, that's you know, that that's 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 that's
0: sentier example again.
1: That's if, why you well. are seeing games go to time. That is why, because no one wants to commit. And I've played, I like there's a there's a there's a stream of me playing at DeadCon where I'm against like three arcs and Rick, and he just doesn't want to go through the rocks. He just doesn't want to go. And because I take forever on my dials, because I gotta think through every maneuver, I almost lose on time. But yeah, it's every it's, it's a fundamental thing that any competitive player knows is not to commit. But the thing about the aces player is you have to work around that and force ways in their minor errors and the fact that they can't boost and stuff like that. And use rocks to make it so it's either, hey, you can, you can get some shots on this ace but you have to go through the rocks next turn, and therefore the other two aces will win. One, one thing one thing. I, when I'm getting near the, the round of commitment as aces is I say, if they commit on this ace, do I still win this match? And if the answer is yes, then I'm fine hard turning soon turn in. And what I mean by that is, do I gain such a positional advantage that my Vader and my Echo or whatever the other two aces are can just hammer on them, they're going through the rocks, they have trouble K-turning, and I just win the match that way. And you use the rocks that way. That's why they're so important with aces.
0: Now, how have you felt that you know, because of the current meta and what's available out there, you you've hinted at this with droids a little bit, <clears throat> um, how have you seen that impact ace play in general?
1: All aces are bringing gas clouds. It used to be a discussion. It used to be debatable because gas clouds allow jousters to land on them and still shoot, so it doesn't block off those options. But it gives aces auto thrusters. So there's the question. I was personally this was I don't I don't know if I was right or not. I was personally still pro rock because I thought it prevented aces from chipping the swarm like tie is just back when you know inferno swarm or whatever it was called was still good because the chip on swarms is 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 the way aces eventually gain an advantage um so yeah i it was debatable whether to bring rocks or gas clouds jedi always brought gas clouds but now the answer is always gas clouds because the droid swarm matchup is so hard and i've that flown rocks against droids for so many matches
2: and it's so so hard is that what you're bringing the the you're bringing gas clouds now
1: i did last tournament i, would, I need to rethink it because of nantex i think the answer is still gas clouds because they can chip with their side arcs mm-hmm. and that's yeah, not and fun helps you. yeah
0: no. and even if they land on the rock they probably can just track can off. off yeah
1: so the point i've been actually thinking about debris now because I'm seeing how much that impacts both Jedi and Namtex's. But the fact that Dash and large base ships are on the rise makes me a little hesitant. Because Dash completely ignores them and Han can bring Kanan. I had I had one of those matches.
2: But yeah, it's it, it changes things. So um, you know funny. You know what's funny? I have never brought Gas Cause too much.
1: I was like that before this tournament.
2: Well, so I'd, I've never done it. I've never even. I played aces. I play aces from time to time. I'm not like a non-ace player, but um, I, I'm just more aggressive. And I, I was like, I won't, I will not, I am, I'm probably too aggressive to bring gas clouds. I think gas clouds are more of a defensive player trick because I don't want to give my opponent the ability to dodge my shots. I And I'm not going to use them myself. So I just want rocks. So I know where you're going. I think that's kind of how I look at it. But,
0: right. And that, that's why I was about to say like, is that is uh you know debris cloud that compromise between them per se? Because... No, it's not a compromise. Oh oh it's wow, not. okay. So no, why clouds... why don't you view it as a compromise then?
1: Rocks and debris limit where your opponent can go. Rocks limit it that turn, that turn the opponent cannot go here. Debris limit it the next turn. Or for Nantex is still that turn. And lenantex is in Jedi, still that turn. These stress can really shut down a dial in some ways. Mm. Um gas clouds or places where you can go and be safe. That's the difference. The opponent can land on a gas cloud and they don't care, especially if they have, you know, if back in the day they had uh, whatever the name of that tactical relay was with the free coordinate, or they acquired a target lock a while ago because they're dancing around them with your aces and stuff like that. Or...
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, the, the problem is... And a gas range, range
1: two shot, a range two or three shot without a mod against Sunter, you can still get a crit through. Like... That is not, Sunter still does not want to take those, even if they don't have a mod.
0: Yeah, bad things can happen. Yeah, that's a good point. That's that's a good point about that. Like, so- I, I yeah I, just, I
1: did not I did not understand why so many aces player were so vehement that gas, before droids, that gas clouds were the answer because it's like, TIE Fighters could just fire straight right through and they got Hellrunner and it's like, you don't have an escape option now. You used to have yep. an escape option. You knew that they could not go here.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I've seen that. Good. Uh, I think I think it's funny. All three of us really are originally big rock players, um, you know. Per se, like we, we 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 use big rocks differently, but we like big rocks because we know that they're they can cause problems for the other player. More importantly, um, and you know, at this point in the game right now, though you're seeing a lot this shift from a lot of players uh and it happened earlier for some per se but even like you know i i'm still stubborn i still always just fly the force awaken rocks because they're in my bag per se uh, <laughs> but but though the the you know what i'm trying to get at here is that is it maybe instead of it just being gas clouds, do you see that there being a, more of a mix of bringing rocks at all, or obstacles? So do you bring like two gas clouds and a debris cloud or two debris cloud and a gas cloud, um, you know, just because of the current meta, or it, is it... Nantexes are not solved yet.
1: It is still way up in the air. I have only had two games against Nantexes before the Galactic Tournament even happened, mm-hmm. and that was it. So we don't know how to how to properly deal with them. We don't know how much Aces lists have to change in order to deal with them what it is. So I have not ever mixed obstacles. I I would consider it sometimes, but it's like you have to consider, yeah, you know, there's a there's a lot involved because is one debris enough to really change the the way of the game if you plop down the biggest debris in the middle of the board? I don't know. I haven't played that matchup enough.
2: No the problem with mixing your obstacles is that you, you the game board can be favorable then you've made an asymmetric game board in a lot of ways where some areas don't have the rocks or the obstacles you're depending on having or want them to be and then it, it kind of upsets the balance like I, I so i'll say this i don't know if you guys do the same thing when i when i choose the obstacles i'm bringing i, I look at two things right the first thing I look at is does my list have a set of obstacles it needs to, ha- it needs to basically really work well? Um, and, and that could be like, you know, if you're running triple jump masters at 1.0, you really need small rocks because you need the board to be as open as possible because you just have three large bases. Or um, I have droids and I'm gonna take three big rocks because that gives me such an advantage. Like, th- you know, that that's the kind of thing. So if there's if there is a set of debris or obstacles that you need to really make your list work well, I'll take those. but. More importantly, a lot of times what I do is I consider my worst matchups. I say like, okay, if I have this list, what's my worst matchup? You know, if I have, if I have some, where a tie swarms my worst matchup, I will 100% bring uh, the biggest um, rocks I can find. But then you get weird situations where it's like, okay, Sun SunFac is my worst matchup. If Sun SunFac is my worst matchup, I'll bring the three biggest debris because the last thing SunFac wants to do is be stressed. Um, and that gives, you know, that so that gives me more control over the game, and it makes it makes the game harder for my worst matchup. But, but, but and then that when, that I, when it comes you, because well,
1: not, you don't know
2: how many people are bringing some back. It's
1: like a whole statistics no, no, thing, but, if you want to get in
2: that way. I agree with you. It's just, it's a way to try to help mitigate that terrible matchup yeah. that I'm worried about. Um, now, but so, because the, 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 the other thing is, like, I if I'm bringing debris that helps me against my worst matchup or debris or obstacles that help me against my worst matchup, whatever that is. Um, I am willing to accept the fact that I may not face it, but I can make, I can come up with tactics and strategies that will help me in the, in the neutral matchups I might have with the debris, I've, with the obstacles I've chosen to bring. Because um, a lot of times, like, I, mean, I generally prefer rocks, right? I prefer rocks because they have the biggest penalty you're rolling for damage you're 50 50 to take a damage and you can't shoot and you don't get an action that's a tremendous penalty mm-hmm. whereas debris you get a stress but you can still shoot you're probably you're almost certainly not taking damage so like okay you get a stress that's really the the, the penalty of landing on a debris you get a stress which is not all that bad I mean uh, there's a lot of ships that are just fine landing on a debris to shoot you yeah. don't, you know whatever you know like I don't care whatever um, Gas clouds are even less of a penalty. In some ways, are a benefit because you are getting shot through it, which means you have auto thrusters. So I, I still generally gravitate towards rocks, only because people still really don't want to land on them. Yeah, losing, rocks. Losing, losing the ability to shoot around space. is a big that matters. deal. It's the shot that matters.
1: That's what you're looking yeah.
2: at.
1: Because yeah, ages, you cannot trade ever. But the math works. center <laughs> costs... 52 points or whatever, and he has the same jousting efficiency as a TIE fighter or an alpha, you know? I mean, he's, yeah. he's paying weight to pick Braylon. I mean, you know, it's just, you you have to avoid the shots. Um, one other thing, getting back to the Aces-Mirror match, sorry to jump around here no, you're good. from what Ryan was saying, but um, I was watching a game, it was Kevin Lyons versus Doug Howe, and this was on like the Flyknock Friday stream or something, and Kevin Lyons brought uh, three Jedi and Anakin. And Doug Howe brought Von Reg and three uh, silencers. And this gets back to the talk about commitment. Is In that case, I've looked at it on Vassal, and the silencers have very limited room for what I call sweet spots. If you want to, if you're constantly, if you're trying to orbit each other and catch each other, you want a hard turn boost every turn, right? Because otherwise, the other guy gets behind you. This is assuming no k-turns, no seg doors loose, for now. Uh, standard aces, I know Jedi don't completely fall into that. Silencers do not have like one one half sh- half base ship length where they can hard two boost, hard two boost. And I don't know if they can even do the second hard two boost. That's the picture I sent you, Ryan. Um, okay. Jedi, because they have the hard one and the hard two, They have a lot more options to do that so they can outturn the Silencers. So even if you have, let's say, Kylo, and you're moving after like Ahsoka, or you have the bid on Obi and Klo, um, if you both commit at the same time and you know where each other are, the Jedi can outturn you because of their turn options through a standard triangle set of rocks that are space green hard.
2: But yeah the one, it's heart the one heart so
1: they have both they had both options too yeah the one heart is superior at navigating that but it's a it's it's kind of a huge advantage because you have to you have to hit that sweet spot with the silencer and if you don't then they are going to outturn you and they can get behind you of course you have force yeah. so you can take turn but you and you have other parts of the list but that's really something to consider in terms of how you fly through that rock field and how you force your opponents to be in bad spots. If you can force them to be away from the sweet spots by swinging in another arc, another kind of cheap jouster in, then you can get the, you can get a turning advantage and win the flank with your ace.
0: Yeah. That's actually, that's a really great way of thinking about it. Um, You know, for players when they need to determine not only where they're placing those rocks, but also how they're flying through it too. I like that term for it, the sweet spot of a ship. So, you know, being able to do what it really wants to do, but if you're if you're flying well through the obstacle field, you can deny that completely.
1: Yeah, if you if you can force them to not be in the sweet spot, you can deny it, or if you can block them. That goes back to what Ryan was saying because mm-hmm. they can limit their options so much. Um, but yeah, this is where the game of X-wing really comes in. There's a reason why it's played with rocks, and it's because otherwise it would be a jousting simulator, which is what you see with droids. <laughs> I don't
2: know if you can tell, yeah. but I'm not that big a fan of droids. No, none of don't us. Don't worry, are. no one, no one's, a,
0: no one's a fan of droids. Yeah, no, no there's not someone here. <laughs> I hate droids so much. I, I, I. The quick side note is that I flew through droids for like a month and a half exclusively just to be like, why, 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 like, why? How could someone like? Forced themselves to do this. Like, why do they think this is so good? I had no fun. That was like the my lowest. Po- I was winning, and I was having no fun playing X Wing. You
1: have to admit, it takes a lot of skill to clock in a hard two barrel roll every time. <laughs> I mean,
0: <laughs> with no penalty too. You, like, you know, <laughs> like uh, what you're saying. Okay, that the fact that you just take away an aspect of the game. Uh, out. Just shuts down. It just changes. It changes the game in such an. Un, it turns it into that Jousting Simulator. It yeah. takes away, you know, this, uh, this. Uh, I feel as like the, the multi-dimensional chess kind of field that we play in. Uh, with I'm that. such.
1: I'm such a rock purist that I, if I could change like just a couple things with the game, first thing would be grappling struts. Second, Kira in Collision Detector would go up in points. Kira is stupid good if you can fit her on a ship. She is yes. so good.
2: And yes. then I would
1: change um, fully execute a maneuver to not count if you move through or overlap an obstacle. Because right. Vader being able to afterburn through a rock is stupid. And I abuse that. And it's stupid. It, is. it really and when, is. Jedi would fix Nantex, It would fix Afterburners that way, but Kira and Collision Detector are always sleeper good.
0: Kira is very good. When 1.0 or 2.0 first came out, I don't think I ever beat Ryan's Boba gear, Kira list at all. Like I, Unless I took a, the mirror match of it against him, I just never stood a chance, even with Rebels or whatever I was doing at the time, especially when you could fit love, those quad jumpers.
2: I love that. Well, no, you put... You put a little like, escape craft in there, and then you can move and coordinate the target lock to Bobo before he even moves. And then you can move on to the rock with no penalty, and no one ever saw it coming. I love that trick. I hated that list. It's not, it's not good enough anymore, <laughs> but it's, it was great. I caught so many people, they're like, wait, what? <laughs> like, well, target lock.
0: <laughs> you talk about it from uh, an ace point of view. In general, then let, let's let's go to the other spectrum of you know jousters here. You know what what do you what do, other than obviously just opening up the board field as much as possible though? Are there anything excluding droids, um, anything <laughs> else that these uh, that rock placement uh, obstacle placement can be important for jousters?
2: You know. Well, wait. no, there's a better way to answer that. But there's a better way to phrase that question. Yeah. I, I was... If if you are. <laughs> I mean, this is a better way to look at it, right? Because this gets to the crux of the matter. If you're if it's tie swarm versus tie swarm, I mean, you know, you could if you're not going to use a rock, you're just going to line up facing each other and just fly and other and see who wins the dice. But that's generally not the best strategy because then you just put the whole game in, in a chance and then you just flip a coin and you start.
1: But uh, are you talking about droids versus 5x? Duncan, no, 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 I'm, to, I'm talking,
2: like, I'm Don't talking like I'm talking maybe <laughs> like I'm talking maybe Inferno tie squadron versus Inferno tie squadron. Who and one of the players is moving first, and one of the players is moving second, and they've decided to line up. You know ahead of time you're going to line up in opposite corners. So, which player wants the dense field, and which player wants the, the the open field? Like, and I don't. I'm not sure. I know the answer to this. I think that the player moving first might actually want the dense field, and the player moving second might want the open field. Um, but I'm not sure like, like like what 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 do you guys think is the right answer? To that?
1: I don't I don't I think you are still of course you know I take, I have a little bit of tie swarm experience because I flew five ties in tier <laughs> <So, laughs> <I, laughs> But um I don't I think it's you Yeah know, but you're making a decision watched, based on t- you're th- making your decision based watching, on Soontir, so that's not a fair watch, no no fair. um watching wave 3 tie swarm games though. Um you know, it's just you're trying to for you are trying to get you're trying to hope that you get the initial engage right. These a lot of jousting is is rule of eleven, but it's it's way more than that. You see how Daniel Taylor and Blair Bunky play; they don't fly in a block. Okay, no. you know it's the way of the convergence. So, I mean that that's a, that's a more interesting scenario to me because you're splitting up your ships; they have different maneuverability, um, but. Like I know, I know uh, Dallas Parker talked about how he place a certain rock in a specific place because it—if you didn't use your speeds right with the tie swarm, then it would really stick you. So then he could he could like get that turn-in on them, and they would be stuck with that rock in the way, and then he could use that to win. And he flew against a lot of tie swarm mirrors. So I don't think you want you want uh, you want extremely crowded rocks in that case not that anyone's bringing big rocks but you have to consider like the range control on the turn-in a lot in that
2: well yeah but somebody does I mean like so, so I get my, my point is is that the guy moving first against in the mirror match is probably going to um, have to be blocking to win yeah and that well, gets to range control right well but, it... but still the rocks come into play like I think you actually yes. want a dense field because then you, it's easier for you to get the blocks off. I, I don't know enough
1: about the about
2: the matchup to be. Um, I I only agree with Ryan because my
0: thought would be in terms of you you can get into the open space of the of the more of the you know the 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 obstacle field and take that space up before they can take that space up, and that you likes. can. Hold, if
1: you do that and they stay in a block and you are splitting up and then they do a little hard turn one and you didn't range control properly and your five straight isn't able to block that, then they take off a ship before the engagement happens and then you're out of range of hell runners.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, oh, so yeah. I, not- I was That's- I was envisioning the your my my tie swarm is kind of in there first and holding that holding that position per se, and they have to if they come in, you know, they're either running into uh, someone, I because I'm blocking them, or they can't, you know, they can't turn around as easy as me The next, in the following turn. Yeah.
1: Um, oh, yeah. And then that becomes a huge thing, is the K-turns. Um, yeah. If they have to K-turn into the rock field, while well, you've already made the maneuvers in order to adjust around the rock field, I've seen that completely win matches.
0: Is there any, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to think of, are there any other interesting... You know, aspects of obstacle placement you know you, the earlier about like the exact position of a rock being in it to stop the TIE swarm. Is there any other interesting anti-sweet spots for that you found while playing X-Wing that you well, try to line up for when you play against someone?
1: So first of all the each list can think of think of like a specific deployment thing for the first three rounds of combat like Paul Heber talked about in his and three Z's match, how he would place a rock so he could three bank right behind it, and then it would give him options. And then, yeah, Dallas Parker talked about that one rock. But um, you got to keep in mind triangles a lot, because each player brings three rocks, and you have close over three rocks. So that's usually what it comes down to. Um, Another another topic of discussion is, of course, large base ships like the Decimator, the Falcon, etc., you play rocks differently against them. Because if you have just a crowded triangle in the middle, they actually love that because they orbit around while you're trying to go through the rocks and they're not limited at all. but that's you know that's the way they fly.
0: right gunship style versus versus actually a true jouster or front arc style.
2: Yeah, yeah exactly. So do you, do you, do you alter your strategy if someone's bringing seismic charges?
1: It depends on how many.
2: I don't change
1: that many super seismic charges lists, but if it's a decimator with seismic charges, I'm still flying the same rock deployment that I do against the decimator I'll force them to fly a specific way that they have to get that seismic charge off right um, and I know how to avoid it, it'll change usually it's a decimator in like two small ships, so I'll have to disengage for a round, but aces are used to disengaging Um, if it's like some jank trajectory simulator seismic charge list, yeah, I'll probably put the rocks out of the way, but my guess is if they're putting that many points into seismic charges, they're not as good at jousting anyway, so I probably don't need the rocks as much.
2: So one thing I actually expect that the meta will start to see, uh, given the Nantex, is uh, trajectory simulator seismic charges or trajectory simulator bombs.
1: You'll see
2: that in rounds one and two of Swiss.
0: I know. It's not it's not good enough right now. Yeah, they, 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 they can
2: is. just get out of it so easily. Stop, stop! I'm not saying it's good enough, but I am saying people are gonna you're gonna start to see it. The question is, if you're playing against a guy who has that, does that change your rock placement? Yeah. Because yeah, because suddenly. They, they have...
1: could... Going back on that spectrum, the jousting maneuverability spectrum, or you could put it as a graph, they're just making themselves way worse in jousting because they're spending how many points per trajectory simulator plus seismic charge?
2: That you they could be spending.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course, but I'm more comfortable out maneuvering them or taking one range two shot compared to what could right. have been like a Braylon type shot.
2: But does the, that's not my, that's not, my, I guess that's not really what I'm asking. My question is, does the threat of the trajectory simulator along with seismic charges, which, which means you can basically blow up rocks from anywhere you want.
1: Yeah it, yeah, it makes me change the way I deploy the rocks, yeah.
2: Uh, will you spread them out more, or will you, or you put I haven't them closer? To them. Yeah, I don't know,
1: because if you spread them out, then that gives them a chance to hit, plank your ace from away.
2: Yeah. So okay. I, I don't
1: know. I would need one at least one test game to have an idea, and I don't have that, so.
2: That's fair, that's fair. It, yeah. might, I, it might be better to try to get them as close as you can in one corner.
1: Yeah, maybe, and then you could just fly away from there force them to i
2: don't know to, they can't lose rock. destroy them all yeah i mean <laughs> the you, lose the yeah. you lose the rocks uh as a, as a maneuverable as a, as a maneuvering uh, advantage but like you said they've spent money on something that now you've taken out of the game and maybe that's enough that you don't need the rocks
1: yeah he's considering like i'm probably like I'm probably one in one against droids for all my droid matches probably negative probably in the negative and i it's usually so close and that's such a good jousting list in general but those seismic and they and they, they they basically seismic charged all the rocks away <laughs> that's how they did it. and they get little special orbits that they can do yeah, um, yeah. but so i mean they can't that, that those seismic charge lists can't joust a droid swarm so just considering that, it's like it's not going to be that big of
2: a problem. No, no, I'm not suggesting it will be a problem. But what I am saying is, that you're more likely to see it today, uh, in yeah. event than, yeah. than you were than you were a year ago. Uh, yeah, hell, even two months ago. Not that anybody's playing two months ago, but my that's not <laughs> my, my point is that like it, the, people are going to start to react to the nantex, and and yeah. one of the reactions is going to be to try that. Um, so therefore, because people are going to try it, you have to consider it like when you're when you're placing your rocks like, okay, do I adjust my my normal strategy for this matchup?
1: Yeah, yeah, of course no, it's
2: like it's, it's like against if you're against dash, you know you fly you place your
1: rocks differently because he doesn't care about them.
0: Right. Yeah. And so so, now, now for you, though, what is your strategy against Dash then? Or, you know, what's your general thought when you see Dash on the board at this point? So my
1: thought is I use afterburner's echo to get the blocks in and I bum rush them. And I well, try no, to keep. Yeah, with the,
2: yeah, what we with do with the, the
1: rocks. rocks. I mean, I put the debris as far away as possible, of course. He probably brought debris.
2: Um, on his side of the board? Or you put it on I, your side? I put it on my side of the board. Because otherwise... Yeah, along we can along the bottom stands. edge.
1: Yes. If I want to get it out of the way, I put it on my side of the board. Because otherwise, they fortress in the corner or on their board side with them. Because yeah. they have the option
2: to do that. But if they at
1: least come down to my side, I have a chance to outflank them.
2: Um, I mean, a lot of times with dash matchups, you see three debris, three obstacles on, on Dash's side of the board. Corner, middle, corner. And you see the other three on the other side of the board. Corner, middle, corner. Yeah. You see that a lot. But, I mean, it's not always, but like, the, you, so, if you see that, you know the dash player is just going to try to fly around his edge depends, of board and, and leverage the trick shot shooting. You.
1: It depends on the dash build, honestly. So, does he have trick shot? Does he have title? And then another
0: big guy, He does. He does. He have, not not I. Lone wolf version a, has had seen success, but percept, I mean,
1: perceptive copilot Biston versions
0: can't afford
1: all the tricks on dash. Yeah. And then another question is: Can't does he have a way to get two actions? If he doesn't have a way to get two actions, you can sometimes crowd up the rocks because then the, you can then use got that. A barrel. To force... Yes, exactly, and he really doesn't want a barrel roll, right. so it changes. It depends, right? It's if he's if he has Jake in the list, hashtag Jake and Dash is good, by the way. Um, yeah, then then it changes it. Because if, if Jake's in the list, yeah, I'm throwing the rocks away. But he's he'll, he's getting double focus barrel roll anyway, so why would I? I do really think that rocks can be money if someone puts the time and effort into it. I put in a little into the sweet spots. I did a couple of, of like maps looking at where ships could go. And it's, you know, it's not just, it's, you have to play with that knowledge in mind and it really changes things. And that's where even if you commit at the same time or if you use one ship to, it may makes them look like they're not committing, but it ruins one of their options. Or they, you force them to boost out and they're like, ha, oh, I got away from your arc, but you got them away from a good sweet spot and you get a rock advantage that way. It's those little things which really can stack up in the early game, which a lot of people don't notice.
0: Paul, when it comes to placing your obstacles out on the board, are you a strict measurer knowing from knowing exactly from the board edge or from another obstacle, or are you kind of more loose in your placement?
1: In, in between the two, because I fly echo and I am bad at, I'm actually horrible at predicting where banks end up. And I've flown echo for a year. I've flown boosting aces, so that really shouldn't be the case. But like I have, so you know, you can kind of go more isosceles or more equilateral with your triangle in the middle. I tend to go more isosceles. I don't know if that's better. I tend to like it because. One of the reasons is it gives Echo a chance to shoot in between the two rocks all of a sudden, and he can do that a lot with the opening setup. So there's that, and also knowing if there is a rock in the corner, how that affects my deployment. So, and that's just from experience, Mm -hmm. but I do tend to place the first rock not dead center, but I place it so the centroid of that triangle is around dead center. Um, But that's mostly eyeballing and
0: just kind
1: of memorization from experience.
0: Now, do you think people should try to lead, become more measurers or, you know, let, not be precise enough because you kind of could mess up another person because they don't know exactly how far away it is?
1: If your opening scenario, if you've, you have a really written out opening scenario that only relies on one rock, I, I, you can only really rely on one rock. Mm-hmm. Because if you're relying on an entire formation to be this exact way every time, your opponent can ruin that. Mm-hmm um i like the triangle and like most of the times i get the triangle sometimes it becomes whatever four-sided polygon and that doesn't impact things you know it's just oh here's another piece that i can have that can force my opponent to act differently but i have to keep it in mind with my maneuvers yeah just keep in mind in the opening game not limiting your ships that's the big thing like what i was saying with echo the ability to shoot in between the two rocks and keeping that option open for me i think has been kind of huge in some cases Um, so yeah, you got to keep those in mind, but you know, you can slide your ships, you can place them anywhere, an infinite number of positions in the opening, technically infinite, you know, down to the nanometer, if you're Mm -hmm. that precise, but so you don't need to be, oh, this is this here and this goes, but unless you're doing like, oh, I have a seismic charge and I want to limit their options on the opening joust, like I saw Ollie do on stream once, or like what Dallas Parker was saying about the TIE Swarms, where the TIE Swarms always go in this way. So I know I can rely on this rock messing him up in, a, in quite a significant way. I don't know if that answers the question,
0: but no, I think I think it does because again, you know, I I'm me personally with rocks, and I I think Ryan is too. You know, I know Ryan has measured out for certain lists when he was flying uh, thweek in 1.0. <laughs> Um, Wait, you think I measured out where I put my rocks? You had, you had a specific formation. I remember the last couple tournaments in 1.0 where you had like, it was a two, a two, and then I, I, it was two in a corner, two middle. And then you would put a a third one in the opposite corner per se. And it wasn't even just like against me. It was always, it it was just how you played against, especially against Jake uh, (laughs) in the final table a lot there. But, uh, (laughs) Uh, you know you had this routine per se in there um and i you know i i kind of i'm personally more free form especially in 2.0 just because i know the more random i can kind of make it and my philosophy has been the more random i kind of make it for my opponent the less likely they can build a strategy they can think their strategy is in play
2: nick let me tell you something I did not really have a, 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 an overarching, <laughs> precise asteroid strategy. I almost never have an overarching, precise <laughs> asteroid strategy. Like, I, I, with the, with the Assage Thweek, and Drew List, I knew I wanted a relatively open board because um, Assage wants an open board. because mm-hmm. She's doing three hards, which means she doesn't want rocks in her way. And Thweek also doesn't really want rocks. Um, she wants to be able to move, or he wants to be able to move, and then barrel and those rocks would just get in the way of the barrel so I was trying to make an open field uh, with rocks as opposed to a close one. But I definitely did not have a, I want this rock here, this rock here, this rock here. and very specific. No, I mean, I kind of wanted this rock in this area maybe this rock in this area. And then depending on what my opponent was doing, that's where I placed a third rock. But um, I, I can't, honestly, I don't know if I ever have had a list where it's like, I want this rock specifically here or this rock specifically here, where it was down to a range board and, 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 and specific. I I'm, I I tend to be a little bit more on, on the fly because I think I think it's actually just as important to have your rock strategy figured out, but it's also important to understand what your opponent's doing as they start to place their rocks, and yeah. um, and respond in turn to what they're doing. So
1: what one thing one thing
2: I do have to say is I do place it. So if you imagine the
1: triangle is like an arrowhead, I do place with the arrowhead facing me because I know. How it works is they deploy in one corner and I always deploy in the opposite corner. If, they, if they're assuming that they deploy all in one corner or all on one half of the board, assuming they're not splitting their ships up. And with that arrowhead facing me, I know that the way the ships orbit around, I know where my center is going to be during most engagements and where that arrowhead is pointing matters in that case. Yeah, You want to be on the other side of the arrow.
0: Now, in this current meta of high number of generic swarms high uh, the, number of nantexes well you not know? just not just nantexes i mean we're seeing the the tigressers you know the seeks a, a large number six plus ships out there typically generics um that that don't need to fly in a specific form- formation how has that response how have you been trying to respond to that then because i i know like i've seen the two 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 uh or a four two you know that i have seen or just six straight across the board
1: yeah i mean so getting taking name texts out because they kind of ignore rocks in a lot of way mm-hmm. um kind of respond in the same way it just changes your initial ship deployment okay um because you still use the rocks in the same way you are limiting their options that is what's happening and usually if they like go all the way across the board you can get an asymmetrical battle happening and then threaten them enough that you either get the flank or you can run away and force part of them through the rocks again it's it's using the same using the, they're the same tool right you are trying to get them to have to fly through them or consider flying consider them in their flight paths um yeah and i think aggressors are kind of the same and I, know. I need to try against that list but getting out of all those getting at range 3 of all of those turrets consistently sounds really annoying though
0: Alright, uh, well Ryan, do you have any other questions? Uh, or Paul, do you have anything else you would like to add about this in general? Or
2: No, I mean I, I think we've talked about some good stuff
1: Yeah, I think a lot is a lot of experience like phantoms are different to the rocks as i said large bases are different to the rocks turrets are different to the rocks and there's a lot that can be kind of worked out more analytically that hasn't been but a lot of players just know through experience through literally hundreds and thousands of games at this point i've played games and sometimes like it's just i won on rock deployment or i i because the rocks were there and the opponent sometimes doesn't wreck. I didn't hit a rock, but it's like it completely limited your options. And so many games are won through rock deployment. It's even even if both players don't understand what's going on, like I don't understand what's going on. I just know I place them in that triangle and I, or I place them kind of clustered, quote unquote, and it seems to work because it limits their options. Um, but yeah, it's it completely changes the way the game is flowing, basically.
0: Right. When you get to that top tier level of play it's the subtle things that will you know that can change the game completely and swing it in your favor thank you Ryan and Paul for joining us here on Steel City Squadron podcast it was great to have you both stay tuned for a future episode with Steel City Squadron hosts analyzing and breaking down this discussion and thanks for listening it's a trap he's no good to me dead you will not be permanently Thank you again for joining us today on the Steel City Squadron podcast. Intro-outro song, Star Wars Trap Music by Trap Music Now, with edits by our own host Chuck ending ad song welcome to the show by kevin mceloyd for more information see the show notes or visit us on the web at anchor.fm slash steel city squadron podcast you can contact us at steel city pod best way to support the show is to leave a review on apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts thank you